to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. It's definitely trying times for law enforcement in the United States. The COVID-19 pandemic, the anti-police culture and climate, how it's affecting departments, recruiting, retention, and more. Our guest is Chief of Police of Riverside, Illinois. The Law Enforcement Today Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Many are using the term epidemic to describe the current problem of drug and or alcohol abuse in the United States. Virtually everyone we know has been negatively impacted by this problem. Yet for so many that are experiencing the devastating effects of drug and or alcohol abuse, they don't know who to turn to for help. Who can we trust to care for our loved ones? Transformations Treatment Center is one of the most respected ethical and professional drug and alcohol treatment centers in the world with a strong focus on individualized care, offering a wide range of holistic, specialized, and medically supervised treatment programs. We know that many of you have questions. Take the time to call Transformations Treatment Center for the answers. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Or go online to transformationstreatment.center. Ever find yourself in a situation where you can't listen to the whole Law Enforcement Today show? Never fear. Past episodes are available online as a podcast, and you can listen for free. That's right. The Law Enforcement Today podcast is free. Do a Google search for Law Enforcement Today podcast, or simply go to letradioshow.com and click the Be Heard tab. Calling us from... The suburbs of Chicago, Illinois, Riverside, Illinois, we have Police Chief Tom Weitzel on the phone. Tom, by the way, has been on the show before. He is Chief of Police of Riverside, Illinois Police Department. Tom, thanks so much for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. Very much appreciated. Thank you for having me. Great to be back. It's good to have you back. It's been quite a while. And since the last time we talked, I think it's safe to say that a lot of things have changed. Uh, We've got COVID going on. We've got a very definite anti-police movement across the United States that we want to talk about how that's affecting you boots on the ground and and being so close to a a large city that has a huge crime problem yeah for sure so since we have talked last time certainly the country's changed dramatically it's probably the most difficult time in law enforcement in my career and I've been with my agency for 36 years I've been the chief since 2008 and to say it's challenging would be to put it mildly so the Everything from the unrest, um, protests, outright rioting, to the pandemic has had a huge effect, especially on small agencies and like minor suburban agencies that maybe surround major metropolitan areas. And I'll, I'll start with just rhetoric that's going around the United States, I think is really affecting, I, I could speak for me, it's affecting recruiting, retention, and people that want to come into this job. And I'll, may, I'll give you a clear example we usually give a police test every two to three years. We usually have at least 200 applicants apply. We just gave our written exam a month ago, and we had the lowest ever, 62 applicants. 
And how many we actually end up with on an active list to hire is probably going to be much less than that. So I believe that this rhetoric that's going around the country is not bringing in qualified candidates who don't want to be in the profession anymore for one reason or another. Or, in fact, some have called and stated us that they've taken our test, but now they're withdrawing because they've decided to take their career in another direction. You know, I, I hear this from so many agencies across the United States. And, and here is part of my major comment about this. First of all, a lot of what's being said, the anti-police climate, is based off untruths, flat-out lies, mis perceptions, misconceptions, whatever people want to use. But even if it were accurate, even if it was based on truth, it's having the exact opposite effect of what we want. We want the very best potential candidates coming into law enforcement, and we're losing them because of this. And that's all. In my community, my community itself is very supportive of police, very supportive of public safety, always has been. It's nothing new. They've always been that way, but we're surrounded by a large metropolitan area where we attract candidates from all over the metro Chicago area. So when we advertise and we recruit, we, we recruit throughout the entire state. We go to college campuses. We do recruiting fairs significantly down. And, and they tell us that, you know, they're just, they just don't want to get into the profession anymore because of the perception, the negativity. They want to be under the microscope every few minutes. And I can't tell you the amount of time I've heard potential officers say that you know they don't want to be the next youtube video even if they're right even if they're they they did something that is perceived in the public to be wrong because there's only a snippet but they don't they just don't want to put themselves in that position anymore and i'll be honest with you tom i can't blame them i really really and i loved police work i love police i love the profession it was the best job ever i tell people i've got the best of both worlds I had a career in law enforcement in Baltimore, and I'm a, a radio DJ with also a radio personality. I get the best of both worlds. Two great careers I love, but I'll be honest with you. Both are facing distinct challenges, and I can't recommend police work to anyone. Yeah, you know, I have three boys. All three of my sons are in law enforcement. So, I, you know, I, I live it every day. If I'm at work living it as the chief, I, I grew up, so to speak, in my own department. I rose from patrolman all the way up to chief. I've held every position in between there for 36 years. All three of my boys are police officers in suburban Chicago police departments. We talk every day. So I hear it. I hear what's going on. I hear the tension. I hear the stress. They ask me, you know, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? My response is there is. This is a longer tunnel, though. I don't think there's anybody, Jay, that would say that there isn't. Does there need to be some reform or does there need to be some improvement? Of course. I think there does in every profession. Obviously, we're under the spotlight because what other profession can take your civil liberties away? What other profession carries a handgun? What other profession can, you know, put you into jail, lock you up? So we have to take that responsibility extremely serious. But you know what needs to be reinvested in? In, in dollars. Because if they want us to do more training and hire more educated officers and maybe military veterans, they want to defund us, that's not going to work. We have to invest into the officers that we're hiring. I want people to look at it this way. And when I say I can't recommend it, I still love policing. And if, if I had to do it all over again, I probably would join a police department if I was 20, 21 again, because I loved what I did. 
I love the career and everyone I, I love the people I worked with. But the amount of scrutiny and the amount of the aha with people with the videos and we're coming for you and the cancel culture and all the terms are being used nowadays that perpetuates this myth that we're same as we were when I say we, policing across the United States is vastly different from state to state and city to city. But Everybody's being judged by Birmingham, Alabama, and Selma, Alabama from the 1960s. That was a long time ago. Nothing about policing is remotely close to the same. No, you're right. It's, uh, we expect more of our officers. We, they're, they're, we expect more entry-level abilities. The training is significant. The responsibility is significant. I mean, my, we have a far more diverse group of law enforcement agents, officers, than I've ever had, even in my own agency. And I think that's good. But we also have to support them. We're going to take a short break. We're talking with Police Chief Tom Weitzel, Riverside, Illinois. By the way, if you do a Google search of Riverside, Illinois, it's a suburb of Chicago, very close to Cicero, so you get an idea where it is. One of the questions I get all the time is, how can I show my support for law enforcement? You probably can't go pick it somewhere, but there's something very simple you can do with Facebook. When you see a post that you agree with, that you like, share it to your page. It's just that simple. And one of the best places to find great posts about law enforcement, our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like and follow. And when you see posts that you like, you agree with, especially episodes of the radio show and podcast, be sure to share it on your social media. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those suffering from substance abuse problems, the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformation Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Got questions? They have the answers at the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. This portion of the show brought to you by Mr. James Mather of Synergy Financial. Are you looking for ways to increase your financial stability in future? If you're interested in earning more and working with families to help protect their income and future, head to mrjamesmather.com. That's spelled M-R-J-A-M-E-S-M-A-T-H-E-R.com. Again, get free information about this great opportunity at mrjamesmather.com. Return conversation with Patrick Fitzgibbons. He is a retired law enforcement officer from the Colorado area. He's also a podcaster. He has a CJ Evolution podcast. That's CJ as in criminal justice evolution. You can do a Google search for CJ Evolution. You can find it at letradioshow.com, the Be Heard tab, LET Podcast Network. It is right there. Patrick, bird's eye view start to finish. Tell us about your law enforcement career. 
Well, I started like uh, a lot of uh, law enforcement uh, officers start out, Jay, in the military. Uh, I came from a military family. My father was in the military. I knew I wanted to join the military, so I did it. Albeit at a later age, I joined when I was 21. I was the old guy uh, among a, a lot of teenagers. But I served at the 82nd Airborne down at Fort Bragg, jumping out of perfectly good airplanes. And I knew when I got out of the military, I wanted to pursue a career uh, in law enforcement. That's kind of a natural progression for a lot of officers. So I worked at a couple agencies during my career, one in southeastern Colorado and one on the front range of Colorado. And like I said, I retired in 2019 as a commander. The commander in that agency, is that the equivalent of like a lieutenant or captain or what? Well, it's probably on the same level as a captain. I know you know, Jay, that there's different structures and different agencies that different structures, but I was the third in line. I was the third down from the chief position. Gotcha. So it's pretty high up. And by the way, the people, I, I think the media is to blame for this. They use a term paramilitary as if it's an insult. A par- police departments have been paramilitary for as long as I can remember. They've got a military structure. They have um, chain of command. They have all the things that are good about military, but a civilian aspect. And you were absolutely right. A lot of our law enforcement officers are, are military veterans. Yeah, absolutely. They're used to that discipline. They're used to that chain of command. They're used to the you know taking orders and doing what they're told to do. And I, I crave that You know, when I get out of the military and you know, I have a family that's a lot of family members that are in law enforcement, so I just naturally gravitated towards the profession. I'm going to give you a hint how old I am. When I started as a rookie in the Baltimore Police Department, a lot of the men who trained me, and when I say men, they were primarily male, but we had men and women. Uh, I use the term guys. It covers everybody in my book. But they were <laughs> Vietnam combat veterans and we actually had a few commanders captains and above who were korean war veterans and they were exceptional police they were really good they understood balancing that chain of command and also taking care of the needs of the civilian population and knowing the people on your post they were great at it yeah absolutely i mean they just came from that era and i'm not kind of knocking the current generations but yeah, they just came from that era where they did what they were told. They learned how to you know, listen to people. They worked hard. So that's good to have that uh, in your career, Jay. There were some great people. And that's another thing you brought up. I'm glad you brought that point. A lot of people love to knock on the Gen Xers, the millennials, and then they, they, they use terms like snowflake. I started to fall into that trap a long time ago, and I got out of it. And the reason why is look at who our our military veterans are. Look at the age group of our special forces. They're all these Gen Xers and millennials, and they are our law enforcement officers, our firefighters, our corrections officers, and they're doing a tough job under really tough circumstances, and they do it relatively without complaint. Now, I get that there are some differences, but it's not all negative. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting you just said that, Jay, because I was heading down that road, too, with my attitude when I was still on the job with these young officers until I tried. You know, I, one day I remember I was having a conversation with a younger officer and he was telling me about some ideas he had for traffic enforcement. And I was like, oh, my God, that's a great idea. So that's when I began to turn it around. And whether people like to realize it or not, there's millions, millions of millennials, quote, in the workforce right now. And most of them are doing a great job. Yeah, they are. There's some physically and mentally tough people. For every example you can come up with that people love to throw out there of the, the guy eating Hot Pockets in his mom's basement playing <laughs> Nintendo or whatever they play nowadays, I can show you three or four that are the exact opposite, that are tough, no nonsense, they get the job done kind of people. Well, look, every generation makes fun of the 
previous generation. I mean, that's just how it is. I remember my father, who was a baby boomer, you know, used to make fun of, you know, my generation. So it's just it's just natural. But I think, the, like to your point, Jay, the, the young people, the Gen Xers, the millennials, they have so much to offer the country and the world. And part of what the reason I'm bringing this up is, you know, everything I learned about policing, in the academy, you learned a lot. I thought I knew a lot when I hit the streets. Turns out I knew very little. I knew book stuff. I knew all the law stuff. As far as the practical application goes, it was the old timers who taught me. And that's something that needs to be carried down. And so many of our experienced officers, five years plus on a job, are leaving and are leaving in droves. People who have 20 years on, 25 years on, are retiring the first chance they get because they just don't want to go through it anymore. Are you finding that to be the case of people you talk to? Oh, absolutely, Jay. I mean, we, we probably talked to some of the same people, and most of my friends that are still on the job are looking for an exit ramp, and that's to your, to your point. That's going to create, it is creating a huge experience void and vacuum within a lot of agencies, mainly because of the environment we're living in right now. So it's going to be a challenge. Uh, attrition rates are through the roof. Uh, we, when I was still on the job, I don't know how it was in your former agency, we had a hard time you know, before all all this stuff happened in the news and these incidents in the world, we had a hard time recruiting. Now it's even more difficult. So it's going to be a challenge in the future. We had the same difficulties back in the 80s. Baltimore was recruiting people from all over. I came Mm -hmm. from Southern Maryland. I worked with guys from Ohio, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania. They they came from absolutely everywhere. I had a guest on the show recently. Uh, He's a sheriff of a department in, in Maryland. And he said the average cost for them to recruit train and get a deputy on the street is about $63,000 now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible expense, I know, because I've been on that end uh, of a department looking at the numbers. And so that's why it's so important that we have good leaders in departments that are taking care of their people. Uh, you and I know, uh, Jay, and you've probably seen that there's bad leaders out there that are heading organizations, and we need to do what we can to keep those brave men and women who protect us every day. Uh, taken care of in organizations. It's a tough job. But when you have an organization that is riddled with bad leadership, it makes it that much tougher. And I think that's another part why people are leaving. One of the things that I'm very concerned about as a civilian, as retired police, is this current anti-police climate that is so permeating our society. And just a refresher for people, because we don't have civics in a lot of classes anymore. Our police departments, the exception of the ones that are run by sheriffs, they're elected, are run by the mayors and governors of their states and counties and cities. They appoint the police chief, who in turn appoints the command staff and gives the marching orders, comes from City Hall. And the legislators write all these laws, and then when they have these laws enforced by our police and things don't go well and people rebel and object, they blame it on the police. Is that an accurate way of explaining this situation? Oh, absolutely, Jay. I mean, look what's happening in Portland. Look what's happening in Chicago. Look what's happening in other uh, places now in, in, in Wisconsin. So, it, yeah, I mean, we have the, the police hamstring by politicians, and they're so afraid of, of the politicians are so afraid of making somebody, one group or another group, unhappy, and it's really hindering. Uh, the job of the brave men and women who protect us. We're going to talk with more Patrick Fitzgibbons about his career in law enforcement and how it drives what he does today. This is a Law Enforcement Today show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. That's Law Enforcement Today radio show on Facebook. 
Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. Return conversation with Tom Weitzel. Tom is police chief from Riverside, Illinois. Second appearance on the Law Enforcement Today show. has been a long time. Uh, and things have certainly changed the last time you were on the air with us, Tom. I appreciate you coming on, sparing part of your valuable day with us. Uh, before we went to break, we are talking about COVID-19 and how it's forcing you all to change the way you do basic policing. And the question I pose to you is, policing is very intimate. It's very close, close quarters. And although we don't want people getting that close to us and vice versa, sometimes you have to. How does... How does the COVID-19 and the contagious aspect affect the way you guys do your job? It's every day there's a new guideline. There's some new regulation coming out. So we're constantly changing our policies and procedures, literally change our procedures weekly. That, that's something we didn't usually do. Law enforcement usually has pretty standardized operating procedures. But for the pandemic, like just a clear example is, the police officers would go on an ambulance assist. They'll go on all of them, but say we go on a battered domestic battery or a victim of a, an overdose victim. We have given our officers instructions during the pandemic that they have to wear gloves and N95s, masks, but they don't go into people's homes if at all possible. If they have to go into somebody's home on a domestic disturbance or a battery victim, they have to mask up, go in, and handle the situation and probably try to move people outside. But one clear example of how that is impossible is there's been several instances since March where we've had overdose victims, usually heroin overdose victims, and the officers have had to go in and either apply the Narcon or, in some cases, they've had to start chest compressions or do um, CPR. Now, they haven't had to use the CPR mouth-to-mouth, but they use their masks. But you're still rendering aid to somebody. You know nothing. You don't have any idea, really, who they are, let alone their medical history. And the officers are getting extremely fearful of those situations. My opinion is the pandemic is they'd rather have handle an armed robbery in progress than they would one of these pandemic COVID-19 issues that they just they don't, they don't know what to expect on the other end. And I, quite frankly, don't blame them. Something about a lot of police I know, I'm not going to throw you this category, but a lot of us are not quite right. Because I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. I tell people I would gladly, willingly, and kind of look forward to it, chase an armed murderer into an alley in a gunfight. That kind of was like a real adrenaline rush. The other thing on the opposite side of the coin was the threat of delivering a baby on a call for service paralyzed me with fear absolute fear and i came so close one time and thank goodness that didn't occur medical emergencies are frightening yeah they are and they're they're you know they're frightening over in a normal situation the officers have cpr training or basic first hour first aid until the paramedics get there but during this pandemic COVID 19 you you don't know you have no idea when you get there and somebody's unconscious they're not dead but they're just unconscious and maybe you don't know their medical history. There isn't somebody there to tell you whether they were COVID-19 positive, were they tested, you know, what should you be doing? You know that the officers can't sit there and wait. Sometimes it takes several minutes for paramedics to get there. You just can't sit there and do nothing. So it does frighten them, and it does 
cause them a lot of stress in their daily routines of the work that they do. And I can see right now, because we've had several cases uh, reported where calls for service for the paramedics and EMS and, and the police would go first, uh, get there usually first before them because there's just more and they're more, they're mobile, they're around. But they would try to say, if you can, bring the victim outside and then you go away if you're the one calling and the AMBO crew would meet them outside and people objected because they didn't like the way it was. It made them seem hands off or as if they were distant when it came to medical care. Well, the truth was it's to protect the first responders. That's why. I get it, but it's got to create extra pressure for police chiefs or political positions. So if the mayor catches grief from people about it, I'm sure you got to hear it and you got to find a way to juggle officer safety and, and make sure that they're doing their job to help people at the same time. Absolutely, because really our core function is to serve our whatever community you're in, is to serve your residents in the business community. And each community has expectations of their of their policing. And in my community, the expectation is we answer every call. We, it doesn't matter what the call for service is. The police officers will respond and assist our residents. So we have to continue to do that even in the pandemic. And I'm proud to say my officers are. But to think that it isn't causing stress and it isn't causing worry and that they sometimes don't know how they should handle something immediately, especially these medical issues, would be... That wouldn't be truthful. They are, they are nervous about these situations. I've talked with officers. Some have been on the show, and one of the things we used to do, and I'm sure you can remember these days, as we used to carry a can of Lysol in our briefcase, patrol bag, whatever it was, and we spray ourselves down after bad calls and or, or bad environments. And now these officers are talking about stripping down outside getting fresh clothes before they come in because they're so afraid of bringing COVID into their family at home when they get home from work. Adding another wrinkle, another fear. Uh, It it got so bad, Tom, that what I didn't talk to my wife about what happened at work, not because I was a stoic, strong, silent type, because I didn't want her to worry more than she already did. So adding that in that, I don't understand how how you keep a good morale with everything that's going on between COVID, between the anti-police climate, and all that. It's got to be daunting. Yeah, morale is a, is a huge issue. And, those, you know, people who don't understand maybe law enforcement is a big issue. It's almost like, you know, a sports team or it's like the camaraderie they have in the military. You have to have good morale. I've always been a believer that morale is a two-way street, that officers need to show up for work every day with high morale. And we as an agency, meaning the chief, and his command staff need to give the officers an atmosphere to flourish, with, to excel with high morale. And that's always been through training, through good equipment, through uh, good, solid policies. So we create that support for them, and which increases morale. And if morale goes in the tank for a long period of time, it directly affects officers' self-initiated activity. It, it'll it'll affect our recruiting, like I mentioned earlier, but also retention. What'll happen is officers are like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I only have five years on the job. I'm still young. I'm gonna go do something else. Where they don't finish their career out. Yeah, and that's where they start really learning how to be good police. Uh, and when when someone called you good police in Baltimore, that was the the ultimate compliment that you could get from a fellow officer. Uh, retention. It takes training. It takes funding to do all these things. Morale is so important. When people talk about, well, just you, 
it's your job. Do what you sign up to do. How do you combat that when morale is low? It is our job to do that, right? But we have to give them an atmosphere in, of, of success and, and to succeed. And the public plays a part in that. Our residents are very supportive in Riverside. They're very supportive. Our officers know that. We have to, as a nation, though, we have to make sure that we're supporting law enforcement when they're doing their job on a day-to-day basis. It doesn't mean that there isn't going to be some instances where we get wrong people in this job. Every profession has that. We it just does need happen. to weed those out. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. We'll see you there. We're going to take a short break. We're talking with Police Chief Tom Weitzel, Riverside, Illinois, suburb of Chicago. we got so much more to talk about on the Law Enforcement Today Show. We'll be right back. Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Then call. That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-451-8603-800-451-8603-800-451-8603. That's 800-451-8603. In the podcasting world, there's a huge amount of interest in true crime stories. Don't believe me? Check. There's hundreds of them. But very few tell the stories of the heroes that fight horrific crime, whether it be law enforcement officers or everyday citizens. So we decided to rectify that. We tell their stories on the True Crime Fighters podcast. That's right. It's called True Crime Fighters podcast. Do Google search. Subscribe today. Each episode is no longer than 15 minutes long. Also, be sure to search for and like us on Facebook. Search for True Crime Fighters podcast. You can listen to the show as a podcast for free. That's right, 100% free. Just go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, you'll find us there. Or do a Google search for a Law Enforcement Today podcast. Be sure to subscribe today. Remember, it's free. Return a conversation with Police Chief Tom Weitzel from Riverside, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago. Uh, we've been talking about COVID, we've been talking about the anti-police climate, and I want people to understand something. When I have my conversation with Tom, I don't treat Tom differently because he's police chief. I've been known to be very vocal against admin. Sometimes they seem to forget where they come from. Tom is not one of those people. But I also realize that they have, they're stuck in between political forces. Uh, For people who don't realize, sheriffs are elected. Police chiefs are appointed by the mayor. 
All right, so they've got to play this this juggling game sometimes, and it's not easy. So I'm not going to put you in a corner that's going to create a problem for you. A lot of what's going on, in my opinion, with the anti-police climate, and I could go into it at length, but I'm not going to because I don't do a partisan political show. A lot of what is being heard across the United States, protests, I don't have a problem with protesting. I have a big problem with rioting. I have a big problem with people assaulting police at a protest and pe- and the media calling it a peaceful protest. That's not peaceful. Here, Here's something I know you can't comment on, Tom. And I've been at riots before. I've been at protests before. And the rule of thumb was very simple. You could say whatever you want to say. You could do whatever you do. And when you start destroying other people's property or you assault a police officer, it's game on. And you're going to have consequences. To see police anywhere being pelted with bottles and frozen bottles of water and bricks and and bags of urine and fecal matter and nothing happens i gotta tell you i got a big problem with the mayors and governors that allow this to, to, to continue yeah you know i've had i have very good elected officials in my community my village president my elected officials my city village manager very supportive my position is appointed by the village manager with consent of my elected officials what, what I think needs to happen in America is my personal opinion is what I've seen as chief is there's no middle ground anymore. I'd like to see, a, 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 you know, a middle ground where we can come together as idyllic as it sounds with ideas and um, policy development and citizens having input on how police operate in some capacity is a good idea. Yeah. And some function is a good idea. But let's find a middle ground that it's not all one side or the other. There's a very big discourse in America, and it is affecting law enforcement. And I don't. I think I think police chiefs um, and law enforcement officers need to just walk the straight line. You know, the sheriffs are a little different because they're elected. Police chiefs are appointed. Right. So we want. I don't want to get involved in, nor should I be getting involved in any politics. I just. I want to find a middle ground where we can talk about ideas for bettering police officers, recruitment, retention, and even how we respond to calls. I mean, Jay, you don't. Every profession can improve, right? Everybody, yeah. including us. Absolutely. There's no. There's no disputing that. And what what happens is. And I lay blame. A lot of people say we need to reimagine policing. We need to change the, the culture, which are very vague terminologies, which no, they, they won't give examples. One of the examples, going back to the earlier conversation, your department responds to everything. We did too. If people called us because they had water in their basement, we would show up and we would give them numbers of people to contact. Uh, we didn't handle the flooding situation, but we were a full service agency. We did everything for the people in our community, and I was proud of that. I, I remember jokingly, a woman had a bat in her house when I was a rookie police. I got the bat out. It wasn't that her room was unscathed because I was an idiot. I was stupid and I was young, but I learned. <laughs> it, it, that's exactly the kind of service we got. Should we be doing less of that? Absolutely. Do I think it was a good idea that we did that? Absolutely. I don't know the answers, but I know that riding on the streets and uh, macing people, particularly police, and shooting police is not the answer. No, certainly violence against anyone, certainly striking out at law enforcement, you know, you have to be held accountable, just like they want law enforcement officers held accountable, and we should be. Citizens that uh, commit criminal acts against officers, these are purposeful acts. They target you at maybe a 
protesting or a riot. But I, I would make a distinction because some of the uh, protesting we've had in, in the area where I work has been very peaceful. Yeah. There's a big distinction between outright people coming to a location to loot and riot than there is people expressing their opinion about what's going on in the country in a peaceful manner. Certainly the police have to be there, right? I mean, we have to help with traffic control and safety. Because what happens in these, even the peaceful protests is you get counter-protesters. And, you know, those are where the situations get a little bit dicey. And the police need just to be there just to keep the separation and to keep the situation moving forward, which is what our job is. Right. But throwing bottles and feces and uh, doing types of things that are harming police officers is not... First of all, it's not productive for anyone, and of course we have to respond. I mean, we have to maintain order. Absolutely. I don't have the answers. I know that the answers that I used to be taught uh, don't seem to apply anymore. Here's an example. Uh, In Baltimore, I was a sergeant, and when the sergeant was off, we had uh, a sergeant filling as the acting lieutenant or acting shift commander, and that was my job that day. And we had protesters. They happened to be KKK and neo-Nazi skinheads, and they wanted to protest near the NAACP headquarters, which at that time was located in Baltimore. And it was Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. They got the permits. They did everything they were supposed to do. I was there with with the guys. And they wanted to move to another area because I think it was closed that day and no one could see him. I was like, no, your permit's for here. That's it. And by the way, you can you can protest peacefully, everything else, but if you put your hands on anybody and any one of us, it'll be over very quickly. And they got the message. And guess what? They protested and nothing bad happened to anyone. And I, I, I totally am on board with the peaceful protests that are going on. And I, I would be, I mean, I held a community meeting in my own village my village president organized it. He wanted to get our, he wanted residents to be able to come to a, a, a city board meeting. And the whole board meeting was dedicated to the operations of the police department. You could ask the command staff. It wasn't just me. My command, any question you wanted, you could email them. You could show up in person and go up to the podium. You could put them on a three by five card. It was televised. Whatever you wanted to do, we laid out our policies, our procedures, whatever you wanted to. And, there were a, a good amount of people that showed up and asked those questions more specifically to what we're doing in Riverside than it was this national narrative going on. But we laid it all on the line and said, here, whatever you'd like to know, we're, we're transparent as could be, but we always have been. Right. It's just that it's in the spotlight now. The other thing, too, is a lot of the, the narrative seems to be driven by, for lack of better words, he said, she said, uh, the, the hearsay narrative. Well, I heard in the news media and social media that so-and-so said such-and-such happened to somebody else, and therefore it's gospel truth, and I hate the police. And you ask yeah. the person, do you know any people involved? No. Have you ever met the people involved? No. Do they have any impact on your life? No. But what they said is gospel truth, right? Because it involves the police. Right. So you need to do a little bit of checking. I mean, a lot of our issues are being so are being fueled by social media for sure there's sometimes you know that isn't always accurate as you probably well know and your listeners well know not that everything there's some things on there that are accurate yes but everything isn't so um you know you might have to check a little bit before you <laughs> just because you, you saw it on buy. facebook doesn't make it the truth by the way do a search on facebook for a law enforcement radio show that's our page uh real quick i want to close out with this if people are interested in a career in police work and that they're interested in your department what do they do they can uh, go to our website, which is, you can just go to riverside.il.us, um, and 
we just got done with our written test, but we'll be giving more tests. And I, I would encourage anyone that gets to law enforcement is get a college education, or if you're if you're ex-military, you're coming out of the military. Law enforcement is a good career for you, I believe. Whether it's local, state, federal agencies, um, and then some anybody that's seen some of this unrest, you know, you want to make a difference. Why don't you apply for a law enforcement agency? Yeah, I, I truly believe that. I'm not talking about the ones that are pelting the police with bottles and stuff. But if you if you want to actively, you know, how we could change our profession, get involved. Absolutely. Come on, on and show us how it's supposed to be done. <laughs> so, I say it sarcastically. Tom Weitzel, Chief yeah. of Police from Riverside, Illinois. Thanks so much for your service, and thanks for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Thank Very you. much appreciated. All right. Thank you. Radio is and should always be free. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is also a podcast, and it is free. Costs you nothing. Do a Google search for Law Enforcement Today podcast, or go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and you'll find us right there. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. We've got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.